this school year, I should say. We have two eclipses, and uh, the first one is going to be tomorrow. We will not see the whole thing, but I do want to go over a little bit of it because I think there's some really cool Bible stuff we can pull out of it, basically. So, let's go to this. Let's start right here in maybe, ah, you might have to go to the next slide for me there. Here's Genesis. Here's Genesis, actually. You, you know you spend a lot of time in a book when you start naming your kids after the book, right? We have Genesis, and we have Jericho, which comes out of Genesis. And then we have Nehemiah. And then we have Tyndale, which is actually named after the reformer who got 80% of what you have in the King James and New King James from Tyndale's work. He was put to death for translating the Bible into English. And now we have a little boy on the way, and uh, we had eight really good names we really liked, and they were all girl names, and so we got a boy on the way. So we have no idea what to call him. He was, at this point, he's going to be baby boy Wilson or something. I don't know. But Genesis chapter 1, we have God, of course, creating everything. And there's a little piece right here in the middle in uh, verse 14 and 15 where it says, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Of course, there be stars. Let them be in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. So that would be the sun and the moon. And let them be for signs and for seasons. Now, I know, obviously, we talked a little bit about how the sun and the moon and the earth interact to create the seasons, which is a great thing, but they're also for signs. There is a problem with signs. You know what the problems are? It's really tough to interpret signs. The other problem that we have with signs is we are a very post-Christian culture. We are a very scientific culture. And if you believe that those heavenly bodies are actually there for any kind of sign, well, you're just kooky, right? Um, but we read about it in the Old Testament. We read about it all, a lot, actually, in the Old, and not just Old Testament, New Testament as well. There was a big sign in the heavens right after Jesus' crucifixion. What was it? Darkness. Listen, that was not an eclipse. I'll let you know. I've had people ask me that question. Hey, do you think that was an eclipse? No, I don't. And the reason was it was at least three hours. Uh, longest you're going to get, I mean, a long eclipse is eight minutes. So it's kind of like the sun standing still for Joshua. Hey, what do you think happened? Was that, I've had that question before as well. How do you think that happened? What do you think? I don't, I don't have any idea. The Lord miraculously did this to show people a sign, a sign of a very, very important event. So yes, it is true that we can still have signs and seasons. The problem is I cannot promise you that I can infallibly interpret what those signs mean. If you can, I would like to speak with you afterwards. I would love, but I will tell you this, eclipses have been really interesting signs throughout history. Uh, there was an eclipse at Nineveh the year that Jonah preached to them. In fact, there are some biblical scholars who believe that that eclipse happened just before Jonah got there and that that was part of the reason that the people in Nineveh were so anxious to hear what he had to say because the eclipses were seen as a perturbation of the natural order. This is not good. Something's going wrong here, right? It might even be a portent of doom, right? And so here comes uh, Jonah saying, repent or perish. And instead of putting him to death or mocking or scoffing, they listened to him. What's interesting is Jonah would not have known in that day and age that that had happened. So if it did happen, I can't make a dogma out of that. The timing seems to line up. 
But if it did happen, Jonah would not have known that the Lord was preparing the way for him. He would have just had to obey. There seems to be a lesson in that. So, but he does say, let it be for signs and for seasons. Okay, go ahead. Now, the paths of the solar eclipses this year make a big X over the United States. Don't worry, I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. It's not a sign. But, oh, by the way, uh, go one more. If you take the total eclipse that was in 2017, that was the path it took. Anybody, did anybody go see the eclipse 2017? Oh, yeah. Ah, these are my people. Hallelujah, these are my people. Yeah, absolutely. I drove, like I was telling them, I drove 13 or 14 hours. I actually put in my, my um, time off request. I'm that guy that never misses. I have like 95 days stored up right, right now. And I give people days because I, I never miss. So I had all kinds of days that I could take off. And I told them two years in advance, hey, letting you know, August 21, 2017, I won't be here. And I got an email back. They're like, you can't schedule a day off two years in advance. Like, okay. So I'd send the email back every three months. Hey, how about now? How about now? How about now? How about now? So finally, I just told them, listen, I don't care if you schedule it or not. I'm just letting you know up front, I won't be here. So, you know, if you want somebody in the classroom with these children, you, you might want to find somebody. I'll be gone, right? So I drive all the way up to see this eclipse. I'm all excited, man. There's a guy that's up there that's a professor that I know from one of the colleges. He brings his big telescope. I'm all excited. We get up there. We set up, and the clouds come in. I'm like, no. Lord, no. No, 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 no. So 40 seconds of total eclipse, I got to see about five to seven seconds of it or so. Still worth it. Not as much as I wanted, but still worth it. Tomorrow, you will have a partial eclipse here. So here's how this works. I'm sure you probably know this. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't know. But if you're not in the track of this one we call annularity or the other eclipse we call the path of totality, if you're not actually in the path, you won't see a full eclipse. You'll see a partial. And if you were here in 2017, if you decided not to go up and get into the track, which, man, dude, here in St. Francis, you're so close. Listen, if you did not drive the whatever an hour to go see the total eclipse and you live here, just don't tell me that. I'm so disappointed and ashamed. But some people have like real jobs and stuff and they have to, you know, go to work. But tomorrow we'll see a partial eclipse. That's what we're going to get here. And so I ran all the numbers and I'll give them to you here in just a little bit so that you can know here's how much of the eclipse is going to happen. Here's when the best time to see it is going to be. I, just for you because I love you. So let's go on. When will the eclipse happen? Go ahead. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow starts at 1022. If you look up at 1022, you're, you're not going to notice it. That's what we call it, first contact. So the, the moon basically is just starting to make contact with the disk of the sun in the sky, right? It's just starting to push over the top. And what's going to happen is over the next couple hours, it's going to slide more and more and more and more and more until finally... It's going to, at 1047, we're going to have what we call the peak. The peak is, from here, the peak will be 0.76 magnitude. That means 76% of the sun's disk will be covered. That's a very deep partial eclipse. It's going to be really good. Who has eclipse? It's okay. I won't be upset. Who has eclipse glasses or eclipse viewer? You're my people. I brought a bunch of them with me, Okay. I also brought my telescope with a solar filter. Probably not going to get that out. But here's why I'm telling you that. Tomorrow, we're going to set up shop and we can, if you don't have all the stuff, but you want your kids to see it, you want to see it, 
or your grandkids or whatever, just bring them up here. It, it, you don't have to have a whole bunch of them, right? I mean, one, you, how long are you going to stare at it? You know, 10 minutes, right? Maybe 20 seconds, like, wow, that's really cool. Who's next, right? That kind of deal. Maybe take some pictures. If you take a good picture, text it to me because I love that stuff. I'll put it in my slideshows, okay? 1147 is the right. It's the peak time, but that really means you're probably not going to notice much difference between, say, 1130 and 1145. Any time between 1130 and noon tomorrow is going to be good. Anybody got a welding helmet? If you've got a welding helmet, you could use that. It probably needs to be shade. They say shade 12 or darker. What that really means is if it's not shade 12 or dark, if it's shade 10, uh, don't stare for a long time, right? I told you I have a, a I, should, I, don't, I say a friend, but it's a guy I know in Ada that uh, burned holes in his retina in 2017 because his idea was I'll take two pairs of sunglasses and I'll look through that. So because of that, I thought, well, I've got to go run the numbers. So I run all the numbers a couple of days ago to find out how many pairs of, of normal polarized sunglasses would you need to have adequate eye protection from the sun for solar eclipse viewing. And unless you're willing to glue roughly 25 pairs of sunglasses together, it's not going to work, okay? Don't do that. You're going to burn holes in your eyes. Don't do that. So peaks at 1147, finishes up at 119. But anytime, 1130 to noon, even to probably 12, 15 or so, it's still going to be really good. It's going to look good, okay? All right, let's go on. Why does it happen? Oh, boy. Come to church on a Friday night and have to learn science. All right, let's see. Why does it happen? Well, it's because the sun and the moon have the same apparent size in the sky. They're not the same size, obviously. But because the sun is much bigger than the moon, but it's a lot farther away, Roughly 400 times. So the sun is roughly 400 times larger in apparent diameter, that is how big it looks in the sky, uh, than, the, than the moon. But the moon is about 400 times closer, 373 times closer, but who's keeping track? Which means that the moon can actually come up and actually cover the sun. Now here's the question. Tomorrow there's going to be an annular eclipse. What in the world does that mean? Go ahead and... Go on, keep going. Again, yep, sorry, there you go. Annular. Annular, they call it the ring of fire. Even if you were in the path of totality, if you will, the, the path of annularity, you wouldn't be able to take off your protection, your protective glasses. Because there's still enough of the sun's disk on the outside that it can burn you, burn your retinas. So the question is, how come 2017 we had the total, and in 2024, in April, April 8th, 2024, who's counting, Mono Monday, Skip school, go. Or if you're homeschooled like we do, <laughs> you're free, right? It's a day. So why do we have a total eclipse, but this time we only have an annular one? So glad you asked. Okay, go on. Well, it's because the moon's orbit is not perfectly circular around the Earth. And so as you can tell, at perigee, it's about 225,000 miles away, whereas at apogee, it's about 250,000 miles away. And so when it's closer... At perigee, it looks a lot bigger. Go ahead and go to the next one. It looks a lot bigger. You may have noticed that, by the way. We just had perigee a couple weeks ago. Anybody look up and notice the moon looked really bright? You're like, man, that is a... When I was growing up in western Kansas, so I'm sure up here, same thing, that was called a hunter's moon, right? You could go out and stalk on that That moon is so bright, it'll literally cast a shadow in, at night on you. Now, that's impressive. It's about 30% brighter than normal. It looks about 15... or. 14, 15% bigger. So if we have a moon like that, 
And that coincides with the eclipse. We're going to have a total eclipse because it looks larger in the, night, in the day sky. But if we have the moon at apogee, which is what we have right now because we already had perigee a couple weeks ago, if we have it at apogee, which sometimes we call a micro-moon, it, it looks smaller in the sky, then if it comes and covers the sun, it's not big enough to cover all of the sun's disk. And so we get this, what we call a ring of fire or an annular eclipse. Annular from the Latin word annulus, which means ring. As you're wondering, I guess you win Final Jeopardy with that. <clears throat> Sorry, let me pull this back up again. Go ahead. So... That's what causes those two things. Hey, any questions about that? I didn't even stop for questions last time. I should have. So sorry for that. Forgive me. Being rude. Questions, comments, observations about all that? All right. So because of that, though, I say all that to say this. So even if you were in the path of the annular eclipse tomorrow, you would still need eye protection. And I, in case you don't have it, I brought a bunch because I'm that kind of nerd. Um, if you do have it, bring it with you. If you've got a welding helmet, bring it. Use it. All right, let's go on. Uh, keep going. Sorry here. Let me pull this up so I can see. What will it look like? Keep going. It'll look like a partial eclipse. Go on. One more, brother. Thank you, sir. It'll look like that one on the right. See how it's kind of sliding over the sun? That's what it'll look like, except it'll even be better than that. It's going to be a good eclipse. 75% uh, is a really good, they call it a deep partial that's a really, really good eclipse. You're covering three-fourths of the sun's disk. Actually, you have 77 76% tomorrow. So it's, it's going to be really good. Let's go. There it is. We're not in the path. You can see where we are. Because of that, we're not going to get the full thing. All right, keep going. All right, don't miss it. All right, once, keep going. Here's all the stuff. I ran the numbers in case you, if you really want the numbers. There you go. 0.76, so even more than 76% magnitude. It's, it's a really, really good eclipse. Don't miss it. It's a, it's a good one. Take some pictures. Here's the cool thing. The cool thing is now most of you have cameras. They're, they're, you know, they're newer than mine. Most of you have cameras that will take really good pictures. So even if you didn't have a good eclipse viewer, what you could do is you could take your camera. You look at your camera screen. Don't look over the screen into the sun. Look at the camera screen. Point the camera lens to the sun, and you can actually get some pretty decent pictures, especially if it's a newer version. If you've got a newer version of the iPhone or the Samsungs or any of those, they, the cameras on those things are very impressive. Mine's a 7. It's, it's not as impressive as those. You know, I, I'm that guy, though, like, it's not broken, don't fix it, right? And they're always like, you need to update your phone. No, I'm not updating. You know why? Because that's how it breaks. I've got the old, I'm the codgerly guy, I guess, whatever. So you can use that, though. Take some decent pictures. If you, again, if you get a good picture, I want to see it. I'm not going to lie to you, okay? So moving on. How can we see it? This is what I want to go to. Keep going. How to safely, okay. This is what those things look like. If you don't have a solar viewer or eclipse glasses, sometimes people call them or like solar glasses, or a solar viewer or a welding helmet, don't be staring at that sun. Here's what you can do instead. You poke some holes. Listen, the, the one thing that's super cool about when you have partial eclipses is it's the only time ever where you'll be able to actually see shadows in the shape of the eclipse. Very cool. Really weird, but very cool. The light that goes through the tree leaves, 
Anything, any pinhole that you get light through will actually show the eclipse itself. So you can make what we call a pinhole viewer. Take a piece of cardboard, take a pencil, poke a hole through the middle of that cardboard. Set it out there. You're going to have the, the image cast down here. What you can do if you've got small kids, I'll probably do some of this tomorrow. You do that and you let them trace it out. Hey, trace this out on a little 3x5. You know, if you've got a, a blank 3x5 card, doesn't have the lines, you know. Put a 3x5 card there. Let them trace it out. Let them put their name on it. Date it. It's kind of cool. You can see it. You have a little something when you're done, you know. Something you can put on your refrigerator with the 550,000 other things that are up there, right? You hardly open your door. So many magnets, you like pulling in the pickups, right? But you got to use these. Don't use regular sunglasses. You're going to hurt your eyes. Go ahead. Keep on going. <coughs> we'll move way down. Keep on going. You can make a pinhole viewer. You can use a welding helmet. Here's some pinhole viewers. If you want to make one, you can take a box, a cereal box, and you tape up the top, and you cut a hole on one side, squared hole. Go ahead and go down. It'll have a little better. Yeah, there we go. You make a squared hole out on one side, cover the other side with foil, just make a little pinhole. And then what will happen is the light, you turn your back to the sun, you look through the, the left side, the light will go down to the bottom of the box, and you will see the image of the eclipse, the partial eclipse down there. Kind of cool. One more. That's kind of how that works. Pretty cool. If you're going to use a telescope, listen to me. A telescope amplifies how much light you have, okay? I have an 8-inch out there, which is, you know, it's, 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 pretty, it's the smallest, uh, you know, when you have people that are really serious about astronomy, they pretty much start there at 8 or 12 inches. But if you have an 8-inch telescope, you're taking in the same amount of light as if you had an eye that was, you know, 4 feet wide. So obviously, you do not want to be like, oh, the telescope will protect my eyes. I'll just It will burn your eye out that fast. It will it'll be much more intense. So if you have a telescope at home, do not use that for this. Please don't use that unless you have a, a viewer with it. You can do this. You can take a telescope, and you can set it up, and you set it up next to your wall, and then you take a piece of paper, and you tape it up there on your wall, and it will project the image of that, uh, that partial eclipse, and then you can draw that out, right? You could do that. Please don't look through it. Keep going, brother. One more. Here's what I wanted to get to. It will make some really cool shadows. Go ahead. You will see that eclipse through whatever the holes are. That little girl had a uh, colander. You all got that, right? You're making your... If you're like me and you're a gourmet chef, let me tell you, I use the colander for exactly one thing, and that is when I'm making you know, macaroni and cheese. Right? That's the only time I ever used that. I didn't even know what it was called. I called it a drainer. My wife's like, that's not a drainer. Okay, well, you know what I was talking about. But anywhere that the light gets through, like the leaves, you're going to have these really cool shadows. So pay attention. You'll get some cool pictures. If you've got your phone, you've got your, you know, your camera out, take some pictures of that, because that's the only time you'll ever see that. You will have that here. Uh, in, in 2024, it'll happen again in April. I think the next big eclipse... Here is like 2045 or something like that. That's a long time, okay? So they don't come around every, other, every day. So, you know, take advantage of it. Go ahead, one more. This is kind of cool. It's a guy that took some pictures of it when he was in California. You can see the light coming through the trees, and it's showing you actually uh, the, the eclipse itself, the partial eclipse. Okay, last thing that I'll tell you tonight, total eclipse coming in April. I know. I'm a nerd. I can't help it. I'm going to tell you about it. April 8th, 
on a Monday, it will actually, part of the path of totality will actually come through Oklahoma. Now, that's a long way for y'all to drive. I realize probably a 10 or 12 hour drive for y'all. So I literally told all my students, skip school and go see it. And then they're like, you can't be telling students to skip school. Like, okay. I go back to class, skip school, go see it. So here's where the path goes through. You notice it comes through just a little bit of Oklahoma there. So you're coming down to me and Ronnie's country in April if you want. If not, you're going to get another really good partial eclipse that day here. Okay? So the stuff that we do tomorrow, think about it this way. If you're not going to go down and see it in April, well, then, you know, get the stuff, keep the stuff, whatever you're using tomorrow, do it again in April. It'll be cool. Okay? Questions, comments, observations on any of that stuff or any of the stuff that we were talking about earlier or if you just have a question about whatever. Creation, evolution, I can't promise you I'll have the answer, but I'll give it a shot. Quiet in this little Methodist church. Yes, sir. You stop that. You stop that right now. I actually, I was telling, I was, uh, someone actually asked me, so I have two really good friends. Ronnie loves to poke my buttons like this. He knows I'll get it. Anyway, I have two really good friends who, um, who are flat earthers, and it's, it's, it's frustrating to me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, one of, but I was, I was telling my daughter and my wife, actually, one of the really good evidences for the earth being round, I can actually see out there tonight. Because the North Star, as you go north, you know, when the North Star is up here, if you're going north on a flat earth, it, the apparent position shouldn't change. But if you're on a globe, as you go farther around the curve, the, the stars starts to move up in the sky. And it was enough. I went out last night just looking at the stars, and it was tough for me because I know where I'm normally used to looking at different constellations, and I'm like, they've moved. They're not there. Because the North Star is higher, right? And Cassiopeia is over here, and the Big Dippers are different, right? So it's, it was a little bit, uh, it's going to be tough on me. I also brought my, um, my telescope and my, my big, big laser. Don't get it in your eye. So I can point out stars and constellations. And if, if everything clears up tomorrow night, why well, we might just set it up and we take a look at Saturn. You guys, you can see the rings of Saturn. Uh, if you look at Jupiter through it, you can see the, the moons. It's really cool. It's one of those things. You know, a lot of people don't have a... If you get a telescope from Walmart, you probably won't be able to really see that kind of detail. You've got to have, you know... So, anyway. Thanks for that. Thanks for getting me off into that. Any others? Yes, sir. So, in your presentation uh, huh? earlier, uh, where, where do you find that information? Oh. Most of the publications, science textbooks, yes. most of the library, yeah. 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 So um, when I was in college, I became a student member of Institute for Creation Research and AIG both. They had student. It was one of those deals. If you were a college student, you could get in for almost nothing, which was good because that's about how much money I had, almost nothing, you know. Um, and then you could you'd have access to a lot of their articles. And, and I'll be honest with you, that was a, a real big help to me was here's all these Ph.D. guys you know, PhDs in science who are writing these, they're writing these articles that they can't get into a normal journal because, well, you're a young earth creationist. We don't want to hear it. Do you know the guy that invented the MRI is a young earth creationist? 
Yeah, Dr. Demadian, uh, do you know that his entire team got the Nobel Prize and they left him off because he's a young earth creationist? He literally, the whole team that developed it, the guy who developed it himself gets left off. All the rest of the team gets to share in the award, literally because he was a young earth creationist. Great scientist, but you have the wrong convictions, sir. So I did that. Uh, Ronnie, I was telling you, Ronnie passed me a whole bunch of DVDs early, and then every time I got two nickels to rub together, I would buy one from Answers in Genesis, or I'd buy a book, or maybe from CMI, Creation Ministries International, or ICR, which is down in Dallas now. You know, they moved. They were in uh, San Diego. Well, now they're in Dallas, which for me, that was, that's only three hours away. And so it was like I could get resources from there pretty quickly. So now over the years, I have an embarrassment, honestly. If you see my, my library, I have about 120 DVDs that are just lectures of, of different, you know, PhD scientists who are convinced that Darwin's wrong. And so you just, you know, reading those things over the years, you get a little pearl here and a little piece here. And, you know, by the time you're done, though, you've got a big, a whole bunch of them all gathered together and put it into a slideshow. So if you like it, though. If you make the drive, I promise you, I will share. If, if you'd like, though, I have a bunch of these, like some of the old slides, stuff that I have. I'm more than willing to give them to you. You can use them how you want, or cut them up, use parts of them, throw stuff out. I think that's kind of how it should be among Christians. You know, you take them and give them to somebody and say, you know, go, go hit a home run, you know. So, any others? All right. Pastor, you want to pray and close us then? Or?